The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am joined this week like a warm blanket wrapped around me once again with most of my co-hosts. Laura Dash. And most of Shane Kelly. (laughs) Nate couldn't be here this week. Sorry, Nate. No, I'm just saying that because last week was my my first week back after a two-week break, which was a very weird thing for me. And then uh, Laura, you and I did that episode. That was fun. But now we're back with Shane. Shane, We're just like very slowly getting the Avengers back together. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're going to find you. Son of a he's, bitch, I'm he's, in. He's going to have got, <laughs> gotten fat and grown a beard. And my axe. <laughs> exactly. And this week we are talking about Viewfinder, a game that I've been looking forward to playing since the very first trailer I saw of this. Like, sometimes you see a, like a first-person puzzle mechanic in the portal vein, and it's just, it's a new one. And I'm always so excited when there's a new one. So this is a new one. I love it. I love that. Honestly, yes. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> mechanic on this was so exciting. Uh, you, I think I, the first trailer, you just saw someone place a picture into the world and then walk into the picture and it's 3D. And I was just like, sold. Take my money. Put this on the calendar. We're doing this. I hope yeah. it's not... 30 hours long for some reason. And it's not. It's It's short. It's great. It's just in our wheelhouse. Yeah, I I have always loved puzzle games that use perspective puzzles where, you know, uh, there was a lot of this in The Witness. You know, say what you will about that game. It had magnificent perspective puzzles. I'm not good at them, but I like them. I have no spatial reasoning skills. They are such a funny, uh, they're such a funny video game mechanic or uh, game style or whatever you want to call it uh, because it's like, okay, hey, you've gotten pretty decent with FPS mechanics from playing a thousand hours of Halo. Now let's do something slow where you can sit in chairs and pet a cat, uh, but you need to be incredibly precise in your positioning <laughs> and your understanding of angles, all of those important FPS skills are still maybe more relevant than ever. Do you remember in middle school when they made us take the like aptitude tests by like drawing, like connecting dots or like rotating boxes mm-hmm. or do you remember this? Yeah. Like, Not at all. Go the ahead. fitness gram <laughs> pacer test is yeah. uh, increasingly really? difficult. Aaron, what is the damn? I thought I could quote that that test from memory. But yes, yeah. I remember all these things. Yeah, I remember scoring like reasonably well on most things. And then they were like, you took like twice as long as everybody else to rotate a box, like uh, the oh, box. No. <laughs> you had to, like they had a flat box with letters on it and you had to decide what sides the letters would be on when it turned into a cube. And they were like, uh, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> because you slowed way, way down. And I was like, I have trouble with the flat things <laughs> becoming 3D things. And they were just like, it's a very specific thing to be bad at. That's, um, that is so funny because some people are so good at it and some people are so bad at it, but like it, and it's on all of these like intelligence tests, but <laughs> some of the smartest people I know cannot rotate the cube in their mind. No, it's, it's like a, it's like suddenly like someone black hole that ability for my brain. It was mm. like, shh, you can memorize words quickly. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> take that part. <laughs> that part's good. That part's good. Well, that's, that's okay, Laura. You know, you and me can stick to the 2D games. Oh, and, no. like, uh, But I love these because they're so, yeah. like, my brain breaks in the way that, like, you're like, how can that be real? Um, in, in a great way. But I, I also am like, ah, yes. Spatial reasoning puzzles. Yes. So Reagan uh, introduced these. I've got, like, a question for you, Laura, because Reagan kind of introduced these mm-hmm. as a, uh, there's got to, if, if Metroidvania can be a genre, like, Portal Portal 2 can be mm-hmm. a genre. Um, so, like, in these sort of portal-style portal puzzle likes. games. Portal-likes. It, you can't call it a portal-like. I, ref- I, I reject that as a classification. I reject that. 
but go ahead. We're we're making jokes. We know what you mean. First person puzzle games. We're making jokes to make Reagan mad. Continue, yes. Shane. Yes. Okay. I can't, I'm not allowed to make up genres. All right. Fine. You're um, not allowed to make me mad. I called I called uh, the game last week a woods like, and that also made <laughs> Reagan <laughs> mad. <laughs> 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 yes. Okay. Continue, uh, Shane. But, so. Now I, that that uh, that sidebar may have completely blanked my question, but the the thing I want to know is like how do you do with like the other games in this style? Let's go specifically back to Portal and say like you know how how much does rotating your mental cube um, impact your Portal experience? It's definitely slower. I think the heart the it's. The same thing that makes me get lost in a 3D world without looking at the map um, also affects like a portal with multiple rooms much harder for me than a portal with one room where I'm like, um, I don't have problems with the Tesseract of like, Man, this imagine goes- this game with a map though. Like imagine this game right. if it had a map, but <laughs> then you could pick so up the bad. map. <laughs> uh- yeah. But like a, a teleportation game of this is now connected to here, not so bad because it's just like making mm-hmm. a fake, not real world. But um, a game where the geography needs to make sense at the end of the day, I have a lot more problems with. So this where you're just like making fake worlds and you're just using the 2D visual to fake your way through, fine. The uh-huh. games where you're actually trying to like, like a maquette, I have a pro- bigger problem with. Hmm. I don't think we played that for the podcast. We but like, did not, but yeah. But some of the, the 3D ones that require um, that don't require reality bending, but require like actually remembering what things are in a room that you're not in, <laughs> way harder <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah. Th- this uh, this one really reminded me of that um, uh, super liminal that we played because yes. there's also a lot of the same kind of perspective element to that. I didn't and, like this uh, game as much, but it, this has a, a lot also in common with certain parts of Antichamber. Um, mm. Antichamber does a lot of the sort of perspective puzzles too. Uh, um, I don't know how many of our listeners have played like this many of this thing. So yeah, like, maybe true. we should so kind of categorize yeah. them as we discuss them a little let bit. Me, let me talk a little bit about what this game is specifically doing. Because, you know, you you do kind of get it from the trailer, but I do need, you know, this is this being a podcast, I sort of need to describe it. Um, the mechanic here, the core mechanic is that you are proceeding through a sort of, you know, <laughs> um, world of floating vaporwave architecture. Um, and uh, in many places in this world, you will find photographs, little square Instagrammy photographs uh, of other, you know, vaguely floaty vaporwavy architecture. But uh, you- I, I like how you're saying these are Instagrammy and not Polaroidy. They're they Polaroids. <laughs> Yeah, but they don't have frames. They don't have frames. Uh, okay, you're right. It, that's a better. That's a better call out. Um, the uh, so you hold these little photographs up, and I don't know, invoke them. You you place them in the world, and from wherever you're standing, they really nailed this. Like yes. the action of taking a, a picture is like on one of your um, triggers, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. so is holding up a picture and like applying a picture. It's like. It's it's all right there, um, and it feels the, so tactile. The controls, are, yes, extremely tactile. Like the the holding of something up and just like you're, you grab it and you stick it here. It yeah, works, but you, what's cool about this is like you place the picture, and if you stand perfectly still in the place where you were when you place the picture, absolutely nothing changes. It just looks as if this picture is floating in midair in front of you in you know just a perfect two D photograph but you take even the slightest step off axis and suddenly you realize that when you placed that photograph in the world you've actually placed an entire sort of 3d diorama of that uh, at life-size scale of that photograph into the world and so it will obliterate anything that would have been in the space that it occupies so you can sort of just you know cut out huge chunks of the level geometry with these photographs if you place them in certain places. And uh, anything that was in the photograph is now a 3D object and you can go and interact with it. Um, and they continue to expand on this with a lot, you know, of course, the, the, the sort of logical expansions on the mechanic, like, for example, suddenly you have the option to take photographs with a camera um, or other other sort of expansions mm-hmm. on this mechanic. Um, but it it's you know, in, in a good puzzle gamey kind of way. It just gives you every possible way that you could use this central, really cool, really 
technically impressive 3D level geometry thing that they're doing this this photograph placing mechanic. Mm-hmm. And again, you can place them on any angle. You can place you can look up in the sky. You can look directly down and place a photograph that you then fall into. Like you can place them anywhere on any angle. You can rotate photographs. Um, so you have a lot of control over placing these things. And every time you do, you are making huge changes to the level geometry. And uh, you have to use that, of course, then to solve puzzle. Basically, most of the puzzles involve getting from point A to point B, but doing so using these cool photograph mechanics. It's like the um, MC Escher painting where there's mm-hmm. stairs that are facing the wrong way. The geometry of these levels is like highly artificial, like cubist um, but very cozy. And, uh, and so you're, 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 you're using this camera mechanic to just sort of cut and paste big chunks and then like rotate them. So you're, you know, it's, it's like you have that MC Escher thing, but you're trying to connect all the staircases by cutting the picture apart. You know, it's, it's really fun. One of my favorite things to do is right before you step into the teleporter at the end of the level, I would turn around and look at the horrors I had created. <laughs> like yeah. it's 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 really a cool magic trick that when you're going forward, it feels very inevitable. You don't see necessarily well, you do in the later levels, but in early levels, you don't see the chaos you've wreaked. But if you step to the side or you're looking kind of askance at it, you suddenly see just the broken pieces of photographs that are lingering or the the impossible geometry you've made. And it's really cool. I, I do suggest like it's it's really easy in a game like this to just be like, solved it. Next one. Where's the photograph go? And it like the slowing down made me like the game a lot more. Yeah, especially just like getting a look at like l- little stuff really st- it becomes visually striking when you place one of these photographs, you know, a photograph is rarely of a complete scene. It's sort of like a slice. And so you, you get these sort of like bisected buildings and they intersect at weird angles with the stuff that you're placing them into. Um, every photograph of course has like a background. And so you're in these, you're, you're in these, these buildings that sort of feel like they're floating in space and you have this background all around you, this skybox. Um, but when you place a photograph, very often it has a different skybox. And if you look out in the background, you see this this like square imposed on the sky from your photograph, like really interesting, strange stuff. Uh, and yeah, when you, it, you know, once you place one of these, you might just be doing something as simple as I take a tower, you know, a photograph of a tower and I turn it on its side and now I've got a bridge. Boom. Right. Um but then really, if you look at that structure, it, it is just really strange looking and really cool. So it's just such a cool mechanic. Like it's it's just cool on its face. You do it and you're like, wow, that was really neat. <laughs> I don't know how else yeah. to put it. Good, good criticism there, Reagan. Well, it also keeps being cool. Like that's the surprising thing is I think there's um, a lot of good exploration of mechanics, but they switch things up. But I still think like the the thing that makes this game fun is placing a photograph, stepping to the side and being like, whoa, (laughs) like that is almost always effective. Like they do a really good job of heightening that in different ways throughout the levels. Yeah. Calling it a magic trick is a really good way of putting it. Like uh, there's, there's been other games that have kind of pulled similar magic tricks with perspective. I think super liminal, as Shane mentioned earlier is earlier is a great call out because that was a game that played a lot with scale. You know, you'd pick up an object place it in a different perspective and suddenly it was larger or smaller than it had been before. Mm-hmm. Um, scale this, was interesting. Like, There's very little playing with scale in this game. That, that's true. It, it does sort of naturally feel like, like when you hold a photograph up in front of you, it has, you're always holding it at this, at a consistent distance. Yeah. And you know, if you're, if it's a photograph of something that's very far away from you, it usually does kind of have that depth. It doesn't seem to change this, the size mm-hmm. or scale, but it, it still sort of feels like a similar kind of magic trick. Like Laura was saying, it's more like alignment. It's like taking a, like if you're looking at, um, the world through a camera lens and you're like trying to mm-hmm. frame a picture, stepping back and forth, like it has that feel of you're not changing scale, but you are changing where things attach like this Mm -hmm. 2d object suddenly needs to attach itself to a 3d environment so it's at scale but it's a lot of tweaking rotations tweaking angles can this go like what what happens if it's on side like all kinds of little things the rotation is 
more fun than I thought it would be. And sometimes that Z axis is a little unpredictable or hard to sort of judge. You know, you'll place something into the world and realize that it doesn't intersect where or how yeah. you expected it to. But that but rewind mechanic so friendly. Really yes. good, really friendly. The the biggest thing that they play with, I think, is like or that is a limiting factor in a lot of these puzzles that really is a very much a part of all the challenges is the fact that all of these pictures they're all about the same size, so you only have about this 15-degree cone facing out from wherever you are when you hold up a, 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 a picture, and that is where you need to, like, you need to get that exactly lined up so that you can uh, bridge a gap or uh, create a ramp, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so many different ways that that comes into play. So we mentioned the the rewind mechanic. Laura, do you want to explain that? Because I think that's you know almost less revolutionary than the sort of perspective photograph mechanic here, but almost just as important to the puzzle. Very story. well done. Yeah. yeah. So you, um, I played with an Xbox controller on PC, and um, it was just the B button, which is I hit by accident at the beginning. It it's a quick rewind time. Um, looks like a VCR, like require like a wreck in the corner and you see it rewinding. Um, but the thing that makes it super friendly is uh, the timeline not only has indicators for like a V when you fall off the world or a little note <laughs> where you, often. or you can see a little like a thumbnail of the photo you placed in a marker of when you placed it. So you know how far back to rewind. They also have jumps so you can hit the V button twice and it will go back to that last checkpoint. So you don't have to sit and rewind. And I used this when I went somewhere to a dead end and I didn't want to walk back. I just rewound time. So I didn't have to walk all the way back to the beginning. Like I used it very liberally, even when I wasn't making mistakes just to quick travel mm-hmm. um it was that easy to use and in other games the rewind mechanic is so slow that i would only use it when i died yeah you don't have to watch your i mean you can if you if you just sort of hold down the button you can sort of watch yourself doing things in reverse but i i also use it that way i was mostly doing the double tap to to rewind back to the last it, you know the, the sort of automatic checkpoints that happen every time you do a sort of puzzle significant action so it was a really great mechanic and just really well implemented. Um, just being able to quickly jump back to, and you could you could hit the B button again and jump back to another, run another, and another. You, you, it, it meant that once you sort of figured out a puzzle solution, usually they're very quick to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about how there's like a, a big sort of pet peeve for us, or I guess, I don't know, um, something that makes puzzle games work is how fast it is to implement a solution once you have discovered what it is. And in general, this game has like very quick time to implement your puzzle solution once you realize what the solution is and very little fussing around with sort of setting things up or getting things ready to solve a puzzle. The level time is exploration and thinking, not solving the puzzle. Yeah, almost all of the puzzles um, you're able to solve with far fewer photos than it gives you access to. Sometimes they do limit you, but like... A lot of times I've messed around and I've taken like five photos and done a ton of copying and pasting around. Uh, but then once you understand exactly what you need to do, you just mash the B button, you rewind the entire way to the start of the level, and then in seconds you're done. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think of as an elegant puzzle design. It's, you get it, you like, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, speed. there's there's almost no point in speedrunning this game. It'll take like, 30 seconds. I don't know. Some, some ludicrously short amount of time. Uh, and that's what I think should be the case for a puzzle game. Yeah, it is just, it's so smoothly Im- implemented and, and the, 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 uh, placing of the photos is fast. You can basically like, you know, place a photo and like quickly run across the bridge or whatever it is that you've created. Uh, um, there were times where like I spent my head, spent a lot of time really banging my head against a puzzle. There were some where I, you know, really did feel like lost until suddenly I had a brainwave and figured something important out. Um, but usually mostly, it was rotating the image. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, that or or uh, or realizing that you could take a picture of something that you'd already placed. Like, um, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of puzzle solutions that uh, you know that, that took me a long time to figure out. Were like, oh, I can take a picture of a picture. You just got um, to inception yourself, Reagan. Yeah. 
I want to throw out there that this game, we're talking so much about the puzzles, but this game, although it has puzzles, it is a puzzle game. There are big chunks, especially early on, where they're really just wanting you to have fun aesthetically mm-hmm. with this mechanic. There's in particular, mm-hmm. there's there's a level that I think had very little in the way of actual puzzles, but had over and over again different artistic style for the styles for the photos, which is incredibly fun to play with. And uh, this game is also full of things that aren't little, uh, you know, three by three uh, Polaroids. This game is, you know, you're picking up postcards and little gag images that are just fun to place and figure out what they're actually like in three dimensions, like 2D things that turn interesting in 3D. That's so true. That, was, that was, is so cool. I was so nervous earlier in the game because the beginning of the game, it, yeah, it has this like lush outsource, but I, like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, unity assets. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with unity assets, but I, I didn't think it was and then pretty quickly like maybe 5 6 levels in you started to get really inventive things you're going into you're going into drawings paintings mm-hmm. um and i realized that like oh yep that is correct that is where the money should be spent that is where the art gets to go and and later on it gets way wilder and more inventive and there's more weirdness and surrealism um i wish that first world, like, I, I, I wasn't worried. Like, it doesn't look bad, but it did feel a little stockish with a lot of, I was like, okay, it's stock, yeah, but I it's got some were... artist stuff in it. And then I was like, oh, nope, there's a lot here. They were definitely reserving some of their, like, mm-hmm. best visuals for later. Like, little stuff shows up pretty early on. Things like you get to, um, like, Xerox a photo, and then that means that you have, like, increasingly crummy-looking versions mm-hmm. of the photo. That was so good. Yeah. And then when right. you place them, you know, you're walking around in a badly photocopied landscape. And that's that's just visually really cool to see in three dimensions. Um, so I really, really liked that stuff. In fact, there's a bit later where you can, you can apply different filters to your photos. You can choose which one you like better just for aesthetic reasons. And I loved that. I thought that was great. Um, to, you know, I was like, I like this purplish looking one. When I placed photos, I want them to look purplish and, and, mm-hmm. and it's cool. Um, so I, I just, they, they really nailed the visuals here. And, you know, that it has, it has this vibe. Um, Shane kind of mentioned that these spaces are kind of weirdly lived in. We haven't talked about the plot yet, and we should make that a point. But something kind of weird about this is like, these are these surreal spaces, right? This is, you know, jumping ahead to talking plot stuff. This is is a simulation where people lived and spent a lot of time in a simulation. And so while they are these these surreal, um, you know, disconnected, weird spaces... They are also a place where people lived and worked, and there's all sorts of evidence. And like throughout. ate nothing but chocolate. Yeah, yeah ate lots of chocolate and, <laughs> and drank and a lot of tire cozy slippers and, and read pet books. their virtual cat. I mean, yeah. honestly, if the virtual reality is looks like my house, like what's the point? Like, why right. what? I, I want get it to be it, cozy and a little weird. It. Yeah. And the, like comfy chair. The vibe is like weird, impossible MC Escher architecture. But every now and then there's a corner nook with a really nice looking chair. And like, like 30 hammocks. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't. That's actually important to note. I One thing I really appreciate about this game is um, it it wants you to even though these levels are like very objective based and I was kind of cruising through them. It does want you to kind of take a moment and chill mm-hmm. um, because all the chairs and they're lovely chairs. You can sit down in those chairs and just have yeah. a look around and chill for a second. And mm-hmm. just as importantly, there is a cat you can pet. So mm-hmm. um, that they want you to like luxuriate in these environments, um, which was a surprise to me because when I initially saw aesthetically the game, you mentioned they kind of reserve some of their best looks for later in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's exemplified by their Steam banner image, uh, which looks so bland. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of bland. It is, you know, it's like a their their first level is basically like uh like brutalist concrete with like weird purple plants sticking out everywhere. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what they go with in the main in the main imagery on the game. And yeah, that's with a little bit of a black and white photo at an angle in there to give you the Escher vibes, I think. Yeah. But like, it's even hard to see that that's a separate thing. 
like, nope, not not a fan. But uh, that's you know you you can't you don't yell at marketing departments very often. But like that's not a very interesting asset. That said, they they do have like if you look over their Steam page, they have a GIF that is like the perfect GIF to explain this game. You know, rotating a photograph of a building to create a ramp to get up to like one of the teleporter objectives. Um, like they they do a really good job in their marketing of like here's the pitch. This is a game where you rotate things, you place them in the world. Suddenly, they become three dimensional. You need cool, about ten seconds, and yeah. you're, it is, you've it is got a it. GIF that explains the entire game, and it is a three second looping GIF. So, yep. like they they've done a pretty good job putting their best foot forward here. I think for the most part, it's not um, a it's not a game about still images. Oh, <laughs> like oddly enough, like they don't communicate what makes this game cool. Yeah, they, they they explain that GIF explains the game uh, a thousand times better than any of the like marketing for Superliminal did. Superliminal, like I, we found it almost impossible to uh, to fully explain uh, exa- the various things you're doing with moving objects around in that game and the scale and sizing and perspective puzzles. Like this game, you get it right away. You see that camera, you're like cut paste. Okay, I get it. So we do need to talk about the plot, though. Um, yeah. And I, I, I got to say, it's not my favorite thing about the game. I think a lot of people re- reacted to it more negatively than I did. I did I did find it at least interesting and somewhat engaging. Like, it, it kept me moving. I, I didn't dislike it. Um, I, I do need to... So before I talk about the plot, I, I want to mention something that I think maybe a lot of folks will have seen, depending on what sort of online circles you run in. This game had its... It had what I think is probably one of the worst case scenario, like first day the game is out, like um, viral videos ever, like a really unfortunate thing. If you haven't seen it, there is a clip going on, going around with this game where like it's, you know, it's it's a streamer, uh, apparently somebody named Vinny from something called Vine Sauce is a streamer. I don't know, um, was streaming the game. And this 15 second clip of him playing the game went totally viral, which is basically he uh, he's playing the first level. And throughout this game, you have a woman who sort of talks in your ear, who is um, in the context of the story. She is sort of your partner. You are sort of spelunking through this this virtual world, trying to find something that will help you out in the real world. Um, it's like you're trying to f- people apparently in this in the simulation were working on something to help solve climate change. You're going into the simulation to try to find what they worked on. Um, but uh, they uh, anyway, she's sort of in your ear through a lot of the game, especially early on. And um, the very first time you place a photograph, she says something like, did you just did you just bend reality? And it is the most it is a very it, frankly, it's kind of a cringe line of dialogue. It's functional. You know, it's it's a it's an NPC commenting on your on what you did. But it has a little bit of a feel of that, like. Like that forespoken, like, I just move shit with my freaking mind. Okay, that's what I do now. Kind of like, you know, that just happened kind of kind Mm -hmm. of quote. Right. And um, like so. And and of course, the, the viral clip is like he encounters the very first line of dialogue like this. And then in the clip immediately goes into the menus and mutes the dialogue. And I'll say if you encountered this clip and you were put off from this game by based on literally the, the worst line of line delivery in it, but being yeah. given the impression yeah. that this game is like full of somebody talking in your ear constantly with like cringe commentary, it ain't. Um, it's not like it, it, you know, maybe there were a few lines early on that were kind of like that. Um, but mostly I thought it was fine. Uh, I didn't have any problem with that. And in fact, the you hear a lot more from Kate the cat than you yeah. do from your weird. Um, yeah, like, if you mute you know, this game, you're going to mi- miss out on uh, Kate the cat uh, with the Scottish accent. That's like the Cheshire cat teleporting around. Love it. Great. I, and I loved the cat. So like, I, you, I, I think the overall, the like, the, the voice acting here isn't intrusive. There's not too much of it. And it's mostly fine with only a handful of exceptions, mostly in the first level. So um, I am I'm kind of sad that folks got that impression uh, about this game and that I do believe it actually, you know, this is the kind of thing that 
you know, happening so close to launch, this is the kind of thing going viral that can affect a game's reputation. I think it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't bother me. I mean, I just kind of was like, okay. I mean, I would have preferred a like, never gets old <laughs> or something like, because it doesn't make sense. But like, I haven't thought about that line until you showed me that video. Like, I just was like, up, oh, it's a, it's a in- tutorial line and they didn't not the best one i've ever seen but um i think i don't know i was just like my honestly my first thought was oh this game is voiceover weird okay (laughs) yeah i'll be honest i didn't expect the game to have voiceover i expected it to be more of sort of like a silent experience kind of akin to things like antechamber rather than it's not like or maybe you listen to a tape and that is yeah yeah. and there are those there are sort of audio logs like ever-present little like gramophones Mm -hmm. in levels where you hear the voices of the people who were in the space before you but there's also sort of this you know person who seems to be sort of your handler or partner who's like you know, on the outside, um, you know, waiting for you to find the mysterious thing in the simulation. Um, did, did anybody like, is there anything to say about the story other than just it, you're going into this simulation trying to find something that people previously worked on to solve climate change? I don't think so. I mean, on the story isn't, it's not, story forward. No. Um, it's not going to, I mean, a couple levels in you realize like there's an, a glitch and you realize that you're back in a lab and you're in a simulation. Um, the glitch was cool by the way. Like that was a really cool moment. It was super cool. But I think other than that, like it's not, um, as if the whole time they're like, we've got to get the secret device. Like it's not that kind of game. They're not really talking about your objective all the time. You you can zone out and do puzzles most of the time. Um, it of course increases as you go through, but it's not heavy handed. It's that's not the, like the puzzles are the point here. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it didn't need the story, but I don't think it really gets in the way. No. So I, I had no, no issues with it really. And there were, you know, like it gives you an excuse in a game like this to have that sort of like random clutter of stuff. And, you know, and I appreciated that because I feel like that enhanced the vibes, you know, this would have been a lesser game if it didn't have like messy coffee tables. Right. I, I appreciated that in the world, even if the story reason for it, there were a bunch of scientists in here working on something very hard and now they're mysteriously gone and we're, you know, hunting through their, their remainders. Um, eh, you know, it's an okay setup, but like it didn't really, it didn't really drive the game forward to for me, but I think it was worth having. I, I didn't, I don't, I don't think it was a bad inclusion. Um, but yeah, not, not what focused, not what kept me moving through the game really. Uh, before I wrap up, I want to talk a bit about how the game progresses like mechanically because at the beginning you're given you're finding drawings and photographs in the world of putting them up later on you are able to take photographs but the game is a really good at limiting what you can do so that the it continues to be challenging like maybe you can't photograph this wall maybe you take pictures of yourself maybe you need to like like this section is like the camera angle won't work it it, it I think it's really clever in how an incredibly powerful mechanic gets nerfed. (laughs) And like that seemed pretty cool to me. I want to get your takes. Yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of this game is about putting guardrails around this hyper powerful cut and paste ability. Like if you had the camera from the start and you had unlimited film, um, these you could just make such a mess <laughs> you, you could and in fact they play with that a lot they my favorite moments of the game weren't really the puzzles they were places where um like for example that moment where you kind of get out of the simulation do you remember this moment i mean this is a spoiler uh, yeah you know you're talking about when you we did we sort of mentioned it already when you when they start having those glitches and you sort of escape the weird simulation egg yeah the 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 glitch in particular though like that's that was super fun to play with because you have mm-hmm. this moment where you have um re you're really abusing this cut and paste ability by um 
by having a photo that contains itself that you can kind of place recursively over and over and over again. That's right. And, That's right. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're messing with the outer limits of what you can do. You can really create like a snake of rooms and there's the error, other I think, places. says paradox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, I, I think I felt the same way around a lot of the, um, uh, the kind of unique images that weren't photographs that you could play with, uh, especially things like, um, you know, I, I hope none of these are spoilers, but there's things like um, scr- a screenshot from an 8-bit game or a, um, a map of a park. Uh, that's a like a relief map um, from like a thousand foot perspective. Like these are really crazy things to like paste into the world. Mm-hmm. And the you know we we have a a bold anti collectibles stance uh, is as a podcast. But th- more and more lately, I'm finding games where they're doing them really well. This game hides stuff in really clever places, like inside of a a uh, little picture of a house on a map that you find on a table. And uh, so, you know, that's to me some of the most satisfying stuff in this game. And it, none of it was really like explicitly puzzles. It's just like, hey, this mechanic lets you poke around in some weird ways. And, you know, that's what I'm going to take away from this game most. I mean, I am very excited by a game that lets you play. And this feels very mm-hmm. playful. And like, I'm not mad at the guardrails because I'm like, ooh, I can't do that. I have to think of another way to solve it. Like exactly. Mm-hmm. Games that don't irritate me when they put guardrails up are my favorite kind of puzzle games. Yeah. And they were they were all just, you know, all just to help with the sort of creativity of the puzzles. Even little stuff like having a limit on on your film um meant that like you always, you know, an interesting puzzle is when you have just the right number of you know photographs to, that you can take and do the thing. But but a really fascinating puzzle is when it really seems like you have one fewer than you're supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's great when you're like, wait, this this has an obvious solution, but I don't have enough film in the camera. How how do I do this in a more creative way where I have to you, you know do it with one fewer photograph? That's that's where it gets really interesting. And so like this game does that really well. Like every puzzle was interesting in that way. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I would strongly recommend this game. I think this is a really, really good one. And, um, you know, all all the the criticism of its uh, of its story aside, which honestly didn't get that deafening or what have you, but it just, it, I think it was, you know, inopportune timing. But I, I think this is a great one of these. I think this is now in the canon of, Portal one and two alikes, whatever you call them, Shane. Yeah, well, um, you know, if if a it's a it, it's I, I was trying to make a portmanteau of portal and portal, so I guess we'll go with <laughs> portal ordal, <laughs> portal ordal likes. It's a it's like well maybe portal and portal two, so it'll be a portal ordal two. Yeah. God no. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure that. So um, I, I think this is instantly one of the better ones of those that I've played, which is, you know, saying something. We play like pretty much any time one of these types of things comes out that has an even remotely novel spin. We try to play it on the show because they tend to fit with our length requirements. Yeah. And, and they're a genre that we all like. So I, I was really pleased that this turned out as well as it did. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um uh, and I guess we should say, uh, I think, how how long did the game seem to take for you guys? I, I Let me check how long to beat. I've been seeing five to eight hours. From in reviews. Yeah, um, I think it's been, uh, uh, how long to beat has it a lot shorter than that? They say like a main story is like three and a half hours and main plus extra is four. Completionist is six. I usually take longer than viewfinder than than uh, how long to beat. I tend to be on the like on the completionist end of that, even if I'm only doing the main story. But I'd say yeah, five ish hours is probably about right for this. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know exactly what my Steam clock said, but somewhere in that neighborhood for sure. Certainly under ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely something for the short game crew if you are looking for something to play of a weekend. Um, Especially and if you're the sort of person, chapters. Yeah, if you're the sort of person True. who is a little bit of a completionist, which I know, then it's a uh, uh, that's 
not all of this, but this game rewards that impulse. Like this is yes. the kind of place where if there is a corner to look in, there's something to look at. Yeah. And there are also also uh, some optional levels, like every um, zone or whatever you want to call it has like one optional set of levels that are like bonus or hard versions of whatever the main mechanic is for that for that area. Um, I didn't do all of them in my playthrough. I did like half of them. Um, but uh, they're they're there if you want to like stretch it a little bit and try something a little harder. And I will say that the first one that I ran into uh, seemed completely impossible, and I completely backed out of it. And later on, I was like, oh, hmm. So you can go back to any previous level. You can even go back and redo levels you've already completed at any time. It's pretty easy to do. So, um, and probably worth doing in some cases once you've come up with new ideas about how to handle this mechanic. So. Uh, been a little while since we did one uh we got some time here at the end for some what's making us we happy. literally did one last week <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we talked right. about travel oh that's, <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's right we well i'll it, leave it i i forgot uh, <laughs> it's been a little while since i did one of these that wasn't the one we did last week yes uh, yes it's been a uh, whole week yes um so i guess nate and i did one while you were gone Oh, dang. Uh, yep, well, and, I, well, and I listened to that episode. I, di- I, I edited that episode. So I, uh, I, I've just I've just forgotten everything in my brain. Um, Shane, what's making you happy this week? I will tell you, uh, it is a it's a return to a literary classic. It's The Hobbit. Um, yes. A little while ago, I decided I wanted to read The Hobbit as a bedtime story for my son, because I love the book. I haven't read it in many, many, many years. Um, I, um, I wanted to figure out what is the version of the Hobbit that is the best for that, like for reading as a bedtime story. And to me, like there are, there are a lot of editions of, of the, of the book, the Hobbit that have kind of a, like, uh, adult enthusiast printing sort of vibe and not a kid's bedtime book kind of vibe. Um, the art in many of the illustrated versions of the Hobbit is incredible, fantastic fantasy art, beautiful. But I think it's more important for a book that you're reading to kids at bedtime to be um, just to have a lot of illustrations, you know, on every page, if you can swing it, which you probably can't, it's a huge book, uh, but it should have nice big illustrations with like lots of little pictures of what's going on in the story for the kids to hang their memory on. And so the version of the Hobbit that I found is illustrated by Jemima Catlin. And it is, I didn't even realize this when I ordered it off of, uh, you know, uh, bezosmart.com. Um, it's actually a, not just beautifully illustrated uh, with lots of illustration throughout. It is a really nice printing as well. It came in a like it has a like a gold leaf on the cover and everything. So oh, nice, perfect little book. Uh, not little. It's actually a very large book. Um, anyway, I, it has been so oh, long since I read The Hobbit, and we're making it through maybe like half a chapter a night it's some of these chapters are actually kind of slow and take like a little while to get through um because of course you know the story of bilbo starts off in this idyllic shire where you know it's a very chill relaxing story and the way that uh, that tolkien writes has this beautiful rhythm to it so it works very it's very efficacious as a bedtime story want, man that's just what you yeah. want Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's very, it's, there's some extreme sleepy time energy, especially in the Shire. But that said, let's not forget that this is one of the most murdery uh, kids books. Alive <laughs> oh, absolutely. Around. The the whole stretch uh, from when the dwarves Bilbo and, uh, and, and Gandalf are captured by goblins in the mountains, like straight through to when they are rescued by eagles um, in the forest is absolute fire. Um, we I I have forgotten how fantastic this book is, and it is just a delight. I I am I'm even 
pondering uh, rewatching the movies because my enthusiasm <laughs> for The Hobbit could not uh, could not be any higher than it is right now. So yeah, I encourage folks to look up this edition. I just looked up the YouTube because um, I. I, I don't know if any of you have done this, but I have many times looked at just beautiful books on on YouTube where people will just open books and show you all the illustrations because um, this is the exciting life I live as a childless adult. Um, but someone <laughs> uh-huh. has put this book up in 4K and man, it looks gorgeous. Like it, good choice, is. Jane. It is. It's like a little bit, I think people might gravitate away from it just seeing it because the art is a little bit on the more sketchy, almost Quentin Hoover-y is Quentin Hoover the name I'm looking for? Who's the guy Quentin that used to Blake. do? Quentin Blake. Quentin Blake. Quentin Hoover did magic cards. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, Quentin, Quentin Blake uh, did... Roald Dahl. Did, yeah, the Roald Dahl books, right? So it says almost, almost in that direction. It's like really, really like illustratory, like beautiful pen drawings. Um, and not the like woodblock, um, you know, perfection that some of the other ones are where you can get that edition that matches the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Silmarillion with, uh, you know, with the perfect Norse inspired runic bound. Nah, these rip. Uh, yeah, no, nah, uh, for yeah. kids. Nah, kids, man. Yeah. I mean, for me, yes. Like, but <laughs> actually maybe for me this instead, you know, it's great. Yeah. So I, I love that's it, man. making me bet, super happy. Love it. I I'm I I want to check that out. Maybe when I'm at your house, I want to I want to leaf through that mm-hmm. and take a look at it because that sounds that sounds great. You know, well, it's I already knew. got a bunch of fig jelly staining the front, st- staining the front, <laughs> the beautiful like linen front cover, uh, which I mean is is a little bit on point for a Hobbit, but uh, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> Paddington man. Hobbit. It doesn't Paddington. look as good as it did right out of the box. <laughs> that's all right, man. Now you know that you've got good recommendations on this front. Like uh, my kids are a little younger than yours, but you suggested um, you know the original um, like Wizard of Oz, uh, uh-huh. which I would never have really considered reading to my kid. But like you know, one day I needed something, and you can download that shit for free. I yeah, know, it's out of copyright, so I did, and um, that was also a winner. Just um, don't keep going because they get real weird. <laughs> yeah, no, we did not. We we dropped it. After Stop that. after the first. Yeah, but uh, but you know, it it actually holds up and was more interesting than I would have expected. Uh, in in retrospect, and my kids had lots of questions to which I did not. Well, my kid uh, had lots of questions to which I did not have answers about the, uh, that that book. Um, but it was fun. So yeah, that's what kind of questions. Because I mean, oh, I'm trying to remember. She asked me a lot of questions about like the specifics of like how people live in the Munchkin Town, like like they stay a night at like a Munchkin like I don't know like a bed and breakfast or something. Yeah, I forget. She in had the a lot woods, of right? About- Is this when when she met the Tin Woodsman? Mm, yeah, or maybe before that. Yeah, she had a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Um, she had a lot of questions about like w- about the the Tin Woodsman and how like that his whole story was fascinating. How did he go to the bathroom? Uh, uh-huh. No, it's more like you know the the Tin Woodsman's backstory, which I never really knew, is all about like. He, giving up pieces of himself yeah yeah like mm-hmm. he keeps he keeps like get, uh, getting rid of pe- it's like a ship of theseus thing where he keeps like um like losing an arm and then replacing it with a tin arm and then another yep. arm and then a leg and then his body and then his head and and, and then his finally heart. he's all made of tin and i forget which but yeah that was that was like a fascinating concept uh to a child that book much more even so than tolkien has that perfect rhythm to it that makes it mm-hmm. both interesting for a child and like a little bit lulling, which makes <laughs> it a good and, and also, also just boring enough to put them to sleep. Which exactly. Is exactly, That's exactly what you need. Yeah, Treasure Island has this when you're the kid's older. Ooh, I think the number of thought. times I fell asleep to Treasure Island because it's like boats yeah. and chores on boats. <laughs> At some point in the future, I'm really looking forward to reading my kids um, the um, uh, the Swiss Family Robinson. I was really, really into that book in middle school. I don't know mm. why. But like, well, I remember about- why Reagan because we had the great illustrated classics versions of it, and it had yes. all the gory illustrations when like the the giant boa constrictor ate their pet donkey that they all loved. That and was things great. Like that. Yes. Yeah. So, have you ever right. gone to Disney and gone to the island? I have. I th- I've heard they've redone it. It's now it's now a Tarzan thing. But I, oh, I saw it, it wasn't last time I went. Yeah, so. went, last time I went to it was it was still this was Family Robinson Treehouse, and it was it was great. It's right out of the movie. That movie holds up too. I think it's great. Um, 
I mean, it's it's probably you're you know I'm probably going to be canceled for saying that. I don't remember. There's probably some horrible like um, like violence against native in it or something that I'm not remembering. But I hope not. I hope that movie is not canceled because I loved it so much when I was a kid. Um, anyway, I guess I'll just roll right into what was making me happy this week, um, and it's a pretty quick one. But I, I wanted to recommend to folks. Um, so in my household, the biggest release of the year maybe uh, has been. Hello Kitty Island Adventure, which is a new video game as part of Apple Arcade. Um, and uh, my wife is playing it. I am playing it. Uh, my daughter has seen it and thought it is interesting. Uh, it is actually really good. Like, I, like first of all, I have a lot of affection for Hello Kitty, the whole Sanrio cast. This has all of them. And on the surface, this game looked like it was going to be like basically Animal Crossing meets Hello Kitty, right? It, it, that 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 was that was what seemed like was sort of the pitch and already i was like well that seems like a good pitch but i probably won't spend that much time with that cuz you know i dropped off of animal crossing like everybody else did and and like i never got that into like decorating my house or whatever and this game actually isn't really that it is a very seamless mashup of hello kitty and oh, sorry well of hello kitty yes but like of of the animal crossing sort of island life simmy stuff with a more structured adventure like the Zelda series. Um, so you have like mechanics like the Breath of the Wild um, style, um, uh, like uh, stamina mechanic for being able to like climb structures, right? You have um, like lots of NPCs in the world. They all have their own likes and dislikes and they give you quests and so on. Um, so every NPC has their own kind of quest line. Um, there are little like puzzle dungeons or like like there's like there's like puzzle rooms all over the island that are kind of like the shrines in breath of the wild um you know you go into them and solve this little little uh little like environmental puzzle or a little platforming puzzle Mm. or what have you and and you get a reward um i haven't played a ton of it but my wife has put a lot of time into it because she uh she tells me she told me immediately she's like this is better than animal crossing and she put like a couple hundred hours of animal crossing. Um, like the only video game she's ever put like that kind of time into, but like, this is a really good game. If you have any affection for the hello kitty characters, you're going to be really charmed by it. You get to create your own little Sanrio guy at the beginning of the game. I made mine a little duck and he's adorable and I love him. Um, you get you you interestingly you don't seem to be able to like decorate your own house but you can decorate there's like guest houses on the island that you can decorate so there's a little bit of that if you're into that side of things but i was mostly like impressed that like they've kind of seamlessly taken the like animal crossing model and made it a little more directed like you have quests to do in this it's a little more specific about what you should be doing at any given time um and and I don't know, maybe it's just because I have affection for the Sanrio characters, but like, I like that Hang Yodon is there. I want to go talk to Karopi. Like, that's like, that's, that's freaking great, man. Like, I love that. It's the so, one that's an egg there. Uh, not exactly. You mean uh, Gudetama. Gudetama. So, so there's, mm-hmm. in the Sanrio universe, there's sort of like the core Sanrio friends, which is like Hello Kitty uh, and like, you know, all of the like Hello Kitty adjacent, all of Hello Kitty's hangers on, right? And they're all here. It starts with a with a plane crash, by the way. All of them are on the airplane. But very amusingly, <laughs> there's, there's there's all there's one. We're other, going down now. Yeah, exactly. No, it's very cute. Like the plane is going down and they all like get little like party balloons and like jump and float down like Fortnite style. (laughs) There's a a little like rings you can fly through Mm. as you're floating down onto the island. Just like you're like, (laughs) where are we dropping boys? It's very funny. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but like it, uh, um, mostly it's like the hello kitty crew uh but also uh like agratsuko is there and on the plane like you go up to her and she's like everyone else seems to know each other and i don't know any of these other people <laughs> because like she's kind of in her own world in the sanrio like property universe but she's here in the game so um but yeah i i don't know it's 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 well done um it's 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 consistently at least a little bit funny and uh, mechanically way more interesting than you would think. And you can play it 
totally with a touchscreen if you're just playing on an iPhone or whatever. Um, but you can also play it with a controller. It has full controller support and it runs on Mac and iPad and the Apple TV. So it, it has the feel of a full console game. Um, it has little like incentives for like checking in every day that feel like maybe they could have potentially been related to a, you know, a once envisioned um, like, uh, you know, uh, freemium mechanic or whatever. But they're 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 essentially just options that like it, it gives you it gives you like extra furniture if you're like playing the game every day. Um, and it doesn't even require that you do it every day. Like it has like it has like a cool down or something. So it's really, really well done. It doesn't feel exploitative. Um, it is exactly not what I was expecting out of a Hello Kitty mobile game. So I can't recommend it enough. It's great. And I, I'm i liking it. My wife is loving it. Um, it's cool. I recommend it. Were you the one who told me about the, have you heard about this boy, obscure Sanrio character zine? Mm, oh, I think I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, highly recommend folks looking that up if you haven't. It is a delight yeah well it has there are a lot of obscure has, sanrio characters challenges yeah Big challenges so does, is my favorite disused sanrio character which tell is me he makes badly. it into the uh oh sadly <laughs> i have game. seen no big challenges mm. references in the game shane your your specific question is gudetama in the game sort of there are little gudetamas all over the island um and it's kind of like a collectible that you can find so like you can find like you know you go to the beach maybe if you find a little secluded corner of the beach there is a gudetama sunning himself and you have a camera and you know you you collect them by taking little photographs or you can even do selfies of uh-huh. yourself with the gudetamas that's and funny. that's like it's it's great so he's not uh, really if a i have one takeaway from the hello from- kitty uh, <laughs> island adventure wiki oh god Big challenges does appear as a visitor at some point. What? Ah! <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, uh, I can't wait. I, I think I think it. They. It sounds like they did right by Gudetama because if I have one thing to report from watching his TV show, it's that you should not make him the main character of something no. because <laughs> it's existentially Sad horrifying. Answer. It yes. is. It's a weird TV show. I, I enjoyed that show. I liked it, but I but also yeah. did. But um, it um, there were a lot um, j- just just like the the uh, Wizard of Oz. There were a lot of unanswerable questions from yes. the five year old set. Not as good house. as the Agratsuko show. The Agratsuko show is great. actually legitimately great. I mm-hmm. I recommend it for anybody. It's great. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, that's my what's making me happy this week. Laura, what's making you happy this week? Uh, so a lot of the things that are making me happy are rehashes from things I've said previously, like Strange New World is still great. Um, uh, that is Star Trek for those like, but it's good even if you don't like Star Trek, I think. I think it's just a really good show. Um, Harley Quinn just started back up again. But instead of talking right. about stuff that I'm like, I continue to still be into shows that are still good. Um, I'm going to pick a really small thing, um, which is... Um, witches are awesome. They're making are, me happy this week. Yeah. Which is um, we in our little household love to do needle drops. Like like things are going to start in the morning. Start a song. Um, I have rediscovered one of the best songs for like having an awesome day. And that is the main theme to Pacific Rim. Folks, like if you haven't heard this, it is Rabin Jawadi, who's the person who did the Game of Thrones theme song. And the, like, if you want you making coffee in the morning to feel like you're going to, like, ride a giant mecca into the ocean, like, may I suggest the main theme song to Pacific Rim? It rocks so hard, and then it goes harder for no apparent reason. It just, like, ups in the, like, halfway through the song, it's like, Yeah! Like it is one of the like five songs on my doing awesome shit playlist, which are all like, you know, it's like a song from how to tune your dragon. Like it's, it's all like the things you really need uh, for a good time. And um, we listened to it because we um, tried to go see the movies. Um, everything is sold out because we were near a small theater and it, I live in New York and um, Barbie is sold out for like the next week. Oppenheimer sold out forever. And we were like, we want to try to see Mission Impossible before it gets kicked out. 
And inexplicably, the only thing we could get was like a 9.45 p.m. showing on Friday, which sounds cool on paper. That movie's three hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and you know, when it starts at 9.45, that's when the trailers start. So, like, it's not going to start playing till 10. And even though this is a block away from me, like, that movie's ending at 1. Um, and we were already tired. So we were like, okay, we're going to drink coffee and we're going to listen to Pacific Rim and we're going to go to Mission mm. Impossible. Nice. <laughs> and we were like, okay. <laughs> um, that was a better time than the movie. But <laughs> but, but like, if you need I notice you're energy, not recommending the movie. <laughs> look, the stunts were great. Haley Atwell was great. The movie was way too long and it is some of the dumbest exposition I've ever heard in a movie to the point Justin was covering his mouth because he didn't want to get kicked out for laughing um, <laughs> he was like muting himself because he was like so mad and laughing so hard at some of the exposition but he thought like he was going to get kicked out of the movie theater for laughing um, good time like into the movie's great but you have to sit through two hours before that so oh well yeah, but uh, yo, Pacific Rim theme song, maybe watch Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 on... Wait, Dead Reckoning Part 1? I've been following yeah. this. So they're doing like a whole like double header thing? Yeah, yep, yep. The Entity needs two movies to be defeated, apparently. Not the happy entity. about it. Okay, I'm looking forward to finding out more. Yeah, about watch it at home. All right, um, will do. I, I did actually manage to go out to the theater recently. Uh, my um, jealous. So I really, really wanted to see Barbie in theaters, yes. and uh, I realized that like my wife wasn't interested. And <gasps> I have three Scandal. small children. I know, I know. Well, she's she doesn't like comedies, you know. Uh, oh she's, yeah, she's a horror movie buff. Um, and so she just wasn't wasn't interested. I mean, and so I realized the only option I was going to have. Out. Yeah, well, the only option I was going to have to watch it was I was going to have to make my own opportunity. I decided to take a long lunch. And go to the dine-in theater and see it all by myself. I just took myself on a on a on a workday lunch date to go see Barbie, and uh, I can. I mean, I already so said my making me happy, but like that was a that was a good plan, and Barbie was great, and uh, I enjoyed going to see it all by myself and being the only person in the theater at what was it like eleven thirty on a Monday. Um, perfect. Great the, decision. The day I I told I told my boss I was leaving a company um, a couple jobs ago, and she was like, "Hi, can I tell the group? And then like, can you give me like an hour to control the narrative or whatever?" Like, she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna send the email, but then like, you're gonna like not answer. Like, can you just be at lunch?" And I was like, "I will be at the Downton Abbey <laughs> movie screening at a matinee. I'm just gonna go to that." Nice. For like an hour and a half, um, midday on the day I leave this job that I don't like. And she was like, great. And I was like, you're no longer my boss. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You didn't have to approve it, but it's what I'm doing. So like midday matinees, I miss, that's the thing I miss the most about freelancing. Mm -hmm. I went just so many of them. Um, the fact that like the teenagers who were like skipping out of school were really afraid I was going to narc on them for, uh, and I was like, so no, I'm just an adult in a 2 p.m. matinee <laughs> of Jungle Cruise. <laughs> don't, don't narc on me, please, teenagers, to my yeah. boss. Yeah, it was it, it was it was the first time I've kind of done that on a work day and just like went and didn't tell anybody. And uh, you know, I don't think it'll be the last. So uh, I I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, highly recommend Barbie. I thought it was great. Uh, great movie. Totally worth watching in theaters if you can get the chance. Can't wait to see it when it finally I can get a ticket to it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this very joyful episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find us on the internet at shortgame.fm. That is a website where you can find links and buttons for all the things that matter. You can click on a thing to go to our Patreon, uh, which is where you can support the show. Uh, all of our listeners uh, get access to our Discord community, which is where we talk about games, talk about the show, talk about upcoming stuff. Uh, you can recommend games there. It's the very best venue for that if you want to tell us what you think is good. Uh, and we're always looking out for that stuff. So please join us. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, you can also, uh, from that page, find all of our socials, including on Mastodon and everything. Uh, 
I personally pretty much only do the socials on Mastodon. So you can find me at Reagan, that's R-A-Y-G-A-N, at bird.rodeo. If you search me on Mastodon, you'll find me there. Uh, you can, uh, and I'm also on threads, but I'm really only lurking there. I'm at Reagan, R-A-Y-G-A-N. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on X at no! Shane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me more, more so on Mastodon at Shane at bird.rodeo, which I have now, I've now switched my Mastodon. Uh, actually we need to update the short game.fm to make sure it's pointing to my real Ah, Mastodon. I'll do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm consider. I'm weighing my options. I'm not, uh, (laughs) I have not decided whether I am, uh, still an ex twitter user so we'll see Sigh. uh laura where where are you these days i mean i am on mastodon at laura j nash at bird.rodeo and i haven't deleted my ex account but it's m- mostly because like there are people who i can't find elsewhere but i just yeah. don't do anything on it um, mm-hmm. So if you message me, on me, I may will never see it. I think my last thing was a, a retweet about Animorphs from January. So. <laughs> we, uh, well done. Um, by the yes. time we get to the end of this cycle of like social media and shitification, I, I may well be ending this podcast by saying, like, you could find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, listeners, if you have a suggestion for where you would like to see us interact with people, um, you know, is, if there, is there a place where you, listener, think that what are you doing? such as ours <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should, should be, uh, let us know. Um, it, it all seems too much these days. Uh, but I guarantee you that we talk on Discord. Yes, is, we, we is, talk a lot on Discord. That is a <laughs> That is the best place. And in fact, I'll just share my Discord username on the podcast. It's Reagan K, R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. If you if you really want to talk to me, you can just message me on Discord. I talk to people there all the time. Uh, That's a good point. Now, Discord names are now something you can actually say on a podcast because they yeah. made all of us pick one instead of being like, you know, DS69812, whatever it was. Yeah, I, I'm S. Kelly on there. Nice. So. Uh, Laura J. Nash, although depending on the server, I'll show up as Spider Laura. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, this was far more of that than was needed on this episode. You can find everything on shortgame.fm. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.